Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Bow down your heads and let us pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We ask, oh God, that you will speak to us. May we be blessed through your word tonight. Thank you for everyone, everyone in the service, those who are presently in the service, and those who will join in later on. I pray that may all of us be blessed in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, have free cause amongst us. Speak to us and reveal yourself unto us. Grant us a deep understanding and insight and revelation of the word of God tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, have we prayed with thanksgiving. Let everybody say amen. Hallelujah. All right, for the last couple of weeks, I've been sharing with you about the parables of Jesus. The parables of Jesus. And tonight, we are going to continue with the series about the parables of Jesus. Now, Jesus is the greatest teacher who ever lived. And one of the reasons why up till today, 2,000 years after he walked the earth, we still remember the things that he taught was because he had a very wonderful, unique preaching style. And what you notice about Jesus' preaching and teachings is that often he used parables. Amen. And I've explained to you that the word parable comes from two Greek words. The first one is para, as, and not as in paracetamol. And the second word is balu. So para is simply a prefix or a word that is alongside something else. And then balu means to throw or to hell. And so when we say parable, what we mean is that something that is thrown alongside of something else. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus Christ in his teachings used to throw in illustrations to, as it were, explain and simplify or give a deeper meaning of whatever he was teaching. Those illustrations that he threw in are what we refer to as parables. Amen. And so tonight, I want us to look at one of the parables of Jesus. And I want to share with you about the parable of the rich fool. The parable of the rich fool. And I want you to turn your Bibles with me to the gospel according to St. Luke. We're reading from chapter 12. And we will be reading from verse 13 to verse 21. 
New Living Translation of the Bible, the parable of the rich fool. Then someone called from the crowd, teacher or teacher, depending on where you grew up, teacher, right? Please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I will sit back and say to myself, My friend, (laughs) you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And what should I say? Jewenny. Jewenny. That's what he told himself. But this was God's response. But God said to him, You fool! You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Thanks be to God is the right response. So this is the parable of the rich fool. And I have explained to you that Anytime you read any of the parables of Jesus, you must understand that usually there is one central decisive point that stands out. Although there are, in some instances, many lessons to learn, It is important to understand the parable well to identify what is the main key note of the parable. What is the central decisive point that Jesus was trying to bring out. And in this parable of the rich fool, the central decisive point is this. That don't be so obsessed. Don't be so obsessed 
with acquiring earthly treasures and material things. Do not be so obsessed with acquiring earthly treasures and material things. Do not be so obsessed with acquiring earthly treasures and material things that you forget God and you do not acknowledge him in your life. That you forget God and do not acknowledge him in your life. I'll run through the central decisive point again. Do not be so obsessed with acquiring earthly treasures and material things that you forget God and do not acknowledge him in your life. Hallelujah. Did you get that? I'll say it one more time because that is the central decisive point in this parable. The keynote. Do not be so obsessed with acquiring earthly treasures and material things that you forget God and you do not acknowledge him in your life. Can I have an amen from somebody? Can I have an amen from somebody who is watching me live? Say amen in your room. There's a word that I used there. And that word is obsessed. The spelling is on the screen. I hope you spelled it correctly. <laughs> now, that word to be obsessed, what it means is that you have your thoughts or your feelings dominated by a persistent idea or image or desire. Whenever your thoughts, your mind, and your feelings are controlled or dominated by a persistent idea or image, something that you are seeing, alright, or a desire, etc. That is when we say that you are obsessed. So, when you are obsessed, it's like you have fixed your mind, your thoughts, your feelings on some particular thing. And that thing is controlling you and dominating you. So much so that you can't even think straight whenever anything like that happens. So, it can be an idea that is persistent in your mind. Or an idea that is controlling your feelings. Or it may be an image, something that you have seen, that chinchinia I must have. Or a desire that you have, that I must fulfill this desire. And it's like the thing has gripped your thoughts, gripped your mind, 
gripped your feelings, gripped your life. Anytime you have anything like that happening to you, what we say is that you are obsessed. And in this parable of the rich fool, Jesus is warning us not to be obsessed with acquiring earthly treasures. You want to have a lot of earthly things. What are some of the earthly treasures you can think of? Number one, car. I would have been very surprised if you hadn't said car. Car. What other earthly thing can you think of? House. Money. What else? Phone. Actually, there are some people who are obsessed with phones. They want to have the latest phone in town. No, I don't have the money to buy it. (laughs) And so that thing has filled your head. Which is the latest iPhone on the market? 13. Pro Max. Me, I don't know. I don't know. When I get, I use. And usually, when I use, I use for a very long time. Once I type... I can see what I'm typing. And I can browse and check the things I want to check. It is not a problem. If I can take a picture and I can see that this is the person's head, this is the person's nose, this is the person's eyes, I am okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? But there are some people, once they hear that Apple has released the latest gadget in town, by all means, they must to have. It's called an obsession. Are you listening to me? Yeah. So Jesus is warning us that we shouldn't become like that. And that we shouldn't forget God. Tell your neighbor, don't forget God. And we must always acknowledge God in our lives. Tell your neighbor, acknowledge God. Hallelujah. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is the central decisive point in this parable of the rich fool. But there are also some lessons that we can derive from this parable. And I want to run through these lessons. Then we will conclude today's teaching. Have you been blessed so far? If I close the service now and we share the grace, you have learned something very powerful. That Charlie, in this life, I must not be obsessed. And there must not be anything apart from God that has so gripped my mind, my thoughts, my feelings, such that I can't think straight. I know that she will kill me if, if I tell this story, but I was talking to a friend and she was telling me about a guy who is obsessed with her. He's been trying for a long time to have her. But she says, no. No. You can't have me. It's been years. Hmm? And there are times when 
you know, this guy is expecting that she will call him every day <laughs> and all the time. And if he sends a message and she doesn't reply, then he gets annoyed. And if he's doing anything for her, he says, I won't do it again. Then you'll be gone for a while, then you will come back again. And he's been doing this for years. How do you describe this behavior? It is a dien. It is an obsession. Ask your neighbor, are you obsessed about anything or anybody in this life? You can be obsessed with a man. Or you can be obsessed with football. <laughs> I am dialing somebody's number. Hey! Cring, 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 cring. Your phone is ringing. Pick up the phone and answer the call. Obsessed with football. <laughs> 22 adults chasing one ball. Their objective is that they want to kick the ball from one end of the field into a rectangular structure that they call goalpost. And once the ball enters into that space, everybody is happy and they shout, Go! Is it not amazing? We are not well. Including myself. I like it. Lessons to be learned from this parable. Number one. God knows our hearts. And the motives for everything we say or do. That's the first lesson to learn from this parable. That God knows our hearts. And he also knows the motives for everything we say or do. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13. Good news translation of the Bible. Hebrews 4 13. It says there is nothing that can be hid from God. Everything in all creation is exposed and lies open before his eyes. And it is to him that we must all give an account of ourselves. Hallelujah. Now, in this story of the rich fool, a certain young man went to bring himself. Jesus had had a powerful meeting where he had taught a lot of powerful things. Thousands of people had gathered for this meeting. And at the tail end of it, instead of this guy meditating on the teachings that had come forth, he walked to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, my father left a great inheritance and my brother says he won't give me 
Some. <laughs> so, talk to my brother that he should stop that rough day. And what is supposed to come to me, he should give it to me. This is what he said to Jesus. Then Jesus' response to him was very remarkable. First, he rebuked him. I thought you put the scripture back up there. First, he rebuked him and said, Papa, who made me a judge between you and your brother? That's the first thing that he said to him. It's like I'm here teaching kingdom principles. And you have come to talk to me about sharing inheritance. Then he moves on to say something that I'm surprised, I'm sure was very unsettling for the young man. The next verse. Jesus said to him, Beware. And what he said to him, he's saying to all of us, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now think about it. The guy just came to tell him that there's an inheritance. So what Jesus said to him, he was not expecting that. He was expecting that Jesus would call his brother and say, Nutifafa, <laughs> why don't you give your brother what belongs to him? But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus rather rebuked him. And then he said to him, in effect, what Jesus was saying to him was that you are a greedy fellow. <laughs> that your motive for coming to talk to me, to mediate between your brother and yourself, is that you are greedy and you are covetous. Now, I don't know why Jesus said that to the guy. But because he is God and he knows all things, I perceive that there was something. Maybe the guy had been given his share, but he still wanted more. Because you see, sometimes people leave wills. And in the will, a will is simply a legal document that you draw up indicating that when you die, this piece of land <laughs> should go to your nephew and you are giving it to him for how long? Forever. Hmm? That is a will. So, in the will, you will spell out that this must go to this person, that must go to this person, that must go to this person. But that there are times when people are not satisfied with the terms of the will and they want to go to court. To dispute the will. Sometimes they go to court to say that the guy whose will they are contesting, his mind was not working well. So when he was sharing the things, he didn't share the things well. 
Maybe it was something similar that occurred with this young man. Maybe his father drew up a will and gave him his portion. And then he also gave something to his brother. What his brother has, he must get some. And Jesus identified what his problem was. You see, Jesus, when you are coming to him, you have to be very careful. You don't come and talk by heart. Because before you realize, you know, you've been exposed. And that was the situation with this guy. Jesus looked beyond what he was saying into his heart, into his motives, into the real reason for the request that he had made. And the real reason for that request was that he was greedy and he was a covetous person. What does it mean to be greedy? Which takes us to the second point that we must watch out against greed and covetousness and not allow them to direct our lives. That's the second lesson you can pick from this parable. The parable of the rich fool. And this is based on what transpired between Jesus and the young man who came to talk to him about inheritance. And we learned this lesson that we must watch out against greed and covetousness and not allow them to direct our lives. Do you have that? We must watch out against greed and covetousness and not allow them to direct our lives. So this is a lesson that you can derive from this parable of the rich fool. The first lesson I explained to you is to understand that God knows our hearts and the motives for everything we say or do. So whatever you're doing, whatever step you are taking, whatever decision you are taking, you must understand that the God before him all things are naked and open. He knows the reason and the motive behind what you are doing. And I want you to understand that when God is dealing with us, he, just, he doesn't just focus on our actions or on our words, but he looks beyond that into the motives, the real reasons for what we said and for what we did. And it is one of the reasons why the judgment of God is righteous. And you cannot contest it. Because he factors in everything. So God's judgments are always just and fair. Human beings do not judge fairly, usually. Because we are limited in what we see. In what we understand. And we are limited in our interpretation of whatever facts or evidence have been presented unto us. That's why there are people in prison today who are innocent. And there are people who are walking freely who are guilty, who should be in prison. But somebody else is in prison and they got away with it. But never so with God. Because all things are naked and open unto his eyes. And God always sees into our hearts and the motives for everything we say or do. That's the first lesson. And the second lesson, I just mentioned it. We must watch out against greed and covetousness and not allow them to direct our lives. What is greed? Greed is excessive desire. Especially for wealth or possessions excessive desire there is nothing wrong with having a desire to prosper to own a car 
to build a house. There's nothing wrong with having such a desire. But when that desire becomes excessive and it becomes an obsession to you, then we are describing greed. So that is what greed is. It is an excessive desire, especially for wealth or possessions. Amen. And then the other word, covetous, is very similar to the word greed. But to be covetous means to have a wrong desire for wealth or possessions. So greed is you have an excessive desire for wealth or possessions. And covetous means that you have a wrong desire for wealth and possessions and the like. One is excessive and one is wrong. Amen. You know, I remember when I was growing up as a Christian. These were in the early days when I got born again. There used to be a term that especially charismatic Christians used to use in those days. And that word is claim. <laughs> claim. So, when I got born again, you know, there was a faith revolution. And there were a lot of teachings about faith. About you can claim things. Do you see? So, you hear people, you, you'll be walking with somebody and the person will look at somebody driving by in his car and then say, I claim, <laughs> I claim that car. In the name of Jesus, I claim that car. You walk by somebody's nice house. Then you point to the house. I claim that house in the name of Jesus. It is called covetousness. <laughs> why, why, why do you claim? It's a wrong desire. It is a wrong desire. And there's a certain level that you can exercise your faith in, which is a level of absurdity. It's a wrong desire. Oh, I remember how in those days with me. Why is she laughing at me? Somebody said, tell her to stop laughing at me. In those days, when I got born again, I mean, I'd heard a lot of powerful teachings about prosperity, having money, and all of that. And when I was growing up, I hustled. So, this message of prosperity and all of that, it, it really resonated well with me. I enjoyed it. They were doing something in those days that they called golden chance rendezvous or raffle, something like that. Where it's, it's lottery. That I say, it's lottery. You go and buy something, something, then there's a number, then they will announce the winning numbers and the, the, this particular one that I got into there was a car I was about 18 years old <laughs> there was a car the car was the first price so after going to church for a while and hearing about prosperity, about faith and about things that we can have eh, I told myself that this car is for me how I prayed how I prayed. Every day I will pray and I'll confess this car is mine. This car is mine. This car is mine. 
Of course, the car never became mine. Because it was not mine. Do you understand? Yeah. And that desire that I had in a certain sense was a wrong desire. 18 years old, what do you want the car for? Giant penny seminar, now pay school because cut through exams, now pass it. Now face that is we are Jumanato our car. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Yeah. And I'm saying to you that based on what Jesus said to the young man who brought himself, you realize that greed and covetousness was a problem. And so we learn from this parable that we must watch out because Jesus said, beware of covetousness. So we must watch out against greed and covetousness and not allow them to direct our lives. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. The message Bible. Hebrews 13 verse 5. Message. It says, don't be obsessed. Do you see that word again? Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have. Since God assured us, I'll never let you down. Never walk off and leave you. So this scripture is saying, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Look at another scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10. We are looking at the lessons to derive from this parable of the rich fool. New Living Translation, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10. Can we read it together? Ready? Go. Including those of you online watching. Read it in your room. Read it. But I know that most of you, you don't have your Bibles with you. You are looking at the screen. Oh, oh, I've caught you. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Those who love money will never do what? They will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. If there is one deception that is very prevalent in this life, it is the deception that when you have a lot of money, it means that you'll be truly happy. It is a deception. Evelyn, do you want to have a lot of money? speak the truth now yes why not do you see but this scripture is pointing out what the problem really is and it's saying that those who love money the issue is not with money the issue is with the love and obsession for it. And this scripture is explaining that those who love money, those who are obsessed with money will never have enough. You will think that rich men after they've made their billions will say it is enough. But they never say it is enough. They want more. That is why it is believed, I don't have any statistics to prove it, it is believed that the greatest thieves in this life are the rich. Because they always want more, 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 
more. So those who love money will never have enough. That is where the problem is. The greed, the greed, that, that desire, excessive desire to have more, that wrong desire to have a lot of material things, to have possessions, to have money, that thing is the problem. The problem is not with having money, but the problem is the love for it and the love for material things. And Jesus taught us through this parable that we must watch out against greed and covetousness and not allow them to direct our lives. Why? Because money and wealth and material things may not bring you the happiness that you think you will have. Some of the people who have the most worries in this life are the rich. Some of the people who have the greatest troubles and worries and fears and apprehensions in this life are the rich. There are a lot of rich people, they can't sleep without sleeping tablets. Pressure. But you discover that many poor people eh, but I don't know why they matter. How they sleep. Eunice, I tell you, as they, as they lie in their room, I mean, there are people who sleep on the streets in front of shops. You would think that anybody who is sleeping on the street in front of the shop will not be able to sleep. They are the ones who snore the most. What da 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 say even waking the person up is a problem. That one too is a gift. And sometimes when you go to the so-called deprived places in this world, that's where you see happiness. You hear talking. You hear laughing. You see children running about. They will fight more. Then they will make up. Then all the but. Somebody is insulting somebody. Somebody is fighting somebody. But generally, there is a feeling of life. But then you go to places where rich people live. Everybody is in their room. So there are people who die in their rooms. Nobody knows still weeks after. So never make the mistake of thinking that money and wealth and material possessions will bring you the true happiness that you are looking for. The source of true joy and happiness in this life is Jesus Christ. No Jesus, no life. Hallelujah. The third lesson is that your life is not defined by what you have. Even when you have a lot. <laughs> Your life is not defined by what you have. Even if you have a lot. So you may have a lot of money. But it doesn't mean that you are living. It doesn't mean that you are, you are happy. It doesn't mean that you are satisfied. Because life is supposed to be lived in all its fullness. 
there must be joy there must be happiness there must be peace there must be rest and all of that but the fact that you have a lot of material things and you have a lot of money and you have a lot of earthly treasures does not mean that you are actually living that's why we are saying that your life is not defined by what you have even if you have a lot of it hallelujah number four the fourth lesson God doesn't have a problem with us when we prosper or flourish. This is a lesson that you must glean from this parable. That God doesn't have a problem with us when we prosper or we flourish. Look at 3 John verse 2. Because there's only one chapter in 3 John. 3 John, okay, chapter 1 verse 2. 3rd John King James Version please it says beloved I wish above all things that thou mayest do what prosper or flourish or thrive and be in health even as thy soul prospereth now, these words were written by the Apostle John to a gentleman called Gaius. We don't know much about him. But he was somebody that John saw as a good friend. And he's expressing to him his desire for him. But in expressing that desire, we can see what God's desire for you and I, what it is. And God's desire for you is that you will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't have a problem with you when you prosper. Because it is he who gives us the power to make wealth. Amen. It is God who gives us the power to make wealth. And you will see that there are many Bible characters whom God blessed fantastically. Abraham was blessed fantastically. His son Isaac was blessed fantastically. His grandson Jacob was blessed fantastically. Job was blessed fantastically. David was blessed fantastically. Solomon and in the men the richest, arguably the richest man who ever lived. So you see that there are many people in the Bible whom, who, who prospered and did well. And God didn't have a problem. God didn't kill them because they are prospered. So one mistake that you shouldn't make from this parable is to think that God doesn't like it when you prosper or you become rich. Because the thing is called the parable of the rich fool. You can easily think that when you are rich, it means you are a fool. <laughs> now that's the essence of it that's not the story behind it so it's important to establish ladies and gentlemen that God doesn't have a problem with us when we prosper or flourish number five God doesn't have a problem with us when we plan and project for the future God doesn't have a problem with us when we plan and project for the future because you see if you look back at the at, at the at this man 
the rich man in the story. You will see that he prospered. He flourished. Because the Bible says that his grounds or his farm yielded a lot of good crops. And he prospered wildly, fantastically. So you may think that this parable was against him because he had prospered. But I've explained to you that that's not what it is. Then after he prospered, he started to plan and project for the future. Did God have a problem with that? Was God unhappy with him because he was planning for his future? Because what he said was, you know what? I have reaped a great harvest. And it's obvious that my storage facility cannot accommodate all the things that are coming in. So, I must plan for the future. He decided that he was going to pull down the old storehouses and construct larger ones that would be able to hold and contain the harvest that he had reaped in. Did God have a problem with that? No. So God didn't have a problem with him because he had, I mean, he was planning and projecting for the future. It is good to plan for the future. It is good to have projections and to have a vision for your life. Don't move through this life without having a vision. You must have a vision to build a house one day. Can I have an amen? You must have a vision to continue your education. Can I have an amen? Don't tell yourself that because I came to greenhouse school, I won't go to school again. You won't go to which school again? Some of you listening to me, you have to go back to school. Somebody is saying in the head, hey, 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 you have to go back to school. Because you have drawn a wrong conclusion about yourself. Some of you, you have allowed exam results to define you. Why must your exam results define you? It is an inefficient way of assessing somebody. That because somebody failed in an exam, it means that the person is a failure for life. I don't accept that. I don't accept that. Because there are so many different factors that contribute to people failing their exam, including bad teachers. You are not stupid. You are not daft. You are not tiwi. You are not. I say you are not. Somebody has defined you and told you that you are a failure. Sometimes people want to put you in a box and keep you there and say that you, this is how you are. You, you can never come out of this box. You, nothing great can ever come out of it. I refuse that on your behalf. You are not a failure. You are not a failure. Some of you have given up on your dreams. And so you don't have any vision to become anything great in life. Because education is one of the keys to doing well in life. And then you may be listening to me. You have curtailed every plan that you had to continue with your education. Why? Because you didn't pass some uh, funny exam. You went to write Wasi and you didn't pass. And after that, you told yourself that no, 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 my head is not good. Who says your head is not good? Your head is good. Your head is good. Put your hand on your head and say, This head is a good head. I am not a dafto. I am not stupid. I am smart. 
I am intelligent. I have the mind of Christ. Clap your hands and bless the name of Jesus. So you should have plans and projections for your life. You must have a vision. So God didn't have a problem with this man because he had plans to, to, to store up the, the harvest that he had reaped in and everything. Look at Proverbs chapter 6 verse 6 to 8. Proverbs 6, 6 to 8. Good news translation. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 6 to 8. Are you being blessed? It says, lazy people should learn a lesson from the way ants live. <laughs> it continues and says, they have no leader, chief, or ruler. There's nothing like the president of ants. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like member, members of parliament in the ant kingdom. There's nothing like that. They have no leader. They, have, they don't have a chief. They don't have ruler. But look at what it says. But they store up their food during the summer, getting ready for winter. What are they doing? They are planning. They are projecting. They know that there's a winter coming. There's something called winter. It's coming. During that time, we can't do a lot of things. So let's plan. Let's project. Let's store up things for that time. And this scripture is saying that we should learn. We should learn from the ants. So it's not a problem to plan and project. And God did not have a problem with this rich man because he had plans and was projecting for his future. Number six. Hey, we have to finish. Number six. God doesn't have a problem with us when we enjoy the fruit of our labor. When we do what? Enjoy the fruit of our labor. God doesn't have a problem with that. You see, there are times when you, 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 you are deceived or you are tempted to think that God is not happy with you when you are enjoying. I'll preach it. I will preach it. Why? Why, why will God be unhappy with you because you are enjoying? No. No. Because joy comes from God. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is what? Joy. And to have joy, you must earn joy. And God doesn't have a problem with you when you are doing what? Earn joy. Psalms 128 verse 2, New Living Translation. Because the people will always like, try to make you feel that when you are happy, when you are enjoying, when you are having a good time, you are sinning. Why? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Why? Why? No, no, it's not a problem. Why not? Why can't you eat good food? Why can't you go to KFC and order a full bucket of chicken, either original recipe or spiced? Do you see? Don't do that all the time, but once in a while. Pamper yourself. Why not? Auntie, should it be a problem? It must not be a problem. God doesn't have a problem with that. Psalms 128 verse 2. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Did you see that there? It is describing a blessing that the people of God are going to experience. And what is that blessing? They will enjoy the fruit of their labor. 
it says how joyful and prosperous you will be so god doesn't have a problem with you when you are enjoying the fruits of your labor i am instructing you enjoy the fruits of your labor you see sometimes we save too much <laughs> the calculations are too many cho cho the calculations are too many. Haba. Ike. Ye nya kukona esi ya ribi yo. What I say? We nya ponche soa. Haba ponche nka krebi. We nya manke ni fufobi de boxe no. Why not? You know, on a very sad note, I lost my elder sister at the beginning of last month um, July this is my elder sister she was 67 she fell ill went to the hospital there were complications and then she passed but one of the days I went to a house that she had built it's a beautiful house. It's a five-bedroom house. Beautiful. But when I went to the house, I was very sad. Do you know why I was sad? Because she never got to live in the house. She had always been planning that I will move there, I will move there, I will move there, I will move there. And she had actually been planning that in June she was going to move there. She died in July. But her plan was that she was going to move into that house in June. But it never happened. And so in a certain sense, she did not enjoy the fruit of her labor. I felt very sad as I walked from room to room. Beautiful house. Beautiful tiles beautiful compound just we see your beautiful bathrooms but she was living in a single room somewhere there was even no space to move in her room because like a lot of old people they have a lot of things that they don't want to throw away <laughs> but I felt very sad that's why I am adjuring you by the mercies of God learn to enjoy the fruits of your labor of course I'm also not saying to you that um, every time yeah, you are chopping your mouth that one too is also foolishness why? every time you are frying eggs six eggs somebody is pointing at you I don't know I don't know 17 eggs. Can somebody actually eat 17 eggs? Whoa! It's not possible. Look, my time is up. Rise up to your feet and let's close. I'll have to continue this next week. I mean, we are not in a, in a hurry to go anywhere. So I'll continue and finish up the parable of the rich fool next week, Wednesday. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed? Father, we thank you for your word. 
thank you for the lessons we've learned. May your Holy Spirit guide us into a deeper understanding of the truths shared in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.